0: Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Critically analyzing national affairs. This is State of the Nation on today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
1: Okay. Well, welcome to hour number two of state of the nation. I am Steve hook broadcasting live from the central Jersey shore. And there he is. Brian McClain, our friend Hesher doing his thing live from central Texas. Hesher, uh, another big hour to go. And, uh, and it was a big first hour, but it's, it's, it's good to be, it's good to see the Senator from, uh, California. Could you imagine if that state flips back to red after all, wouldn't the that be
2: such an upset of the apple cart i mean i don't know i I feel like i'm doing uh conservative fan fiction when i talk about it but you know after talking with (laughs) senator jones i'm i'm reinvigorated i i have hope yet
1: again yeah well i it would be an absolute tsunami uh if it were to happen now well i guess we're going to find out just how close that is to happening after the the primaries next week. well maybe not the primaries but the general primaries will give us some indication though but I don't know, man. I think California is almost too far gone. Uh, We'll have to wait and see, but it was great catching up with uh, Senator Jones again. Hey, by the way, um, Hash, we were talking about, uh, obviously earlier, we're talking about Hunter Biden. uh, We're talking about Mitch McConnell, but it almost went by with uh, unnoticed that last night there was a primary in Michigan. No shocker. Trump rolled through Michigan. He got, uh, well, goodness gracious! He he just—I I, don't—I don't know. Nikki Haley, I, she's going to have to give me some reason that makes sense why she's still in the race, and I know she can't. So uh, Trump beat her by over forty points. But I was watching, believe it or not, CNN, and Lee Zeldin was on CNN with a panel of like seven or eight other liberals. So that's what they do over at CNN—they bring one token conservative in, and then they throw him up against the whole panel. And he was talking about the race last night and it did, it, it was, uh, well, he, dro- let's just say he dropped a truth bomb on CNN that the panelists weren't ready to hear. And it was pretty funny. He's talking about, I'm just going to read it. Cause I didn't, I didn't scope this clip and we're not going to play it for you, but here's what he says. He goes, you know, there's a big enthusiasm gap. If you look at it right now, there's, you know, 26, 7 percent of the vote in between the Democrat turnout and the Republican turnout. The Republican turnout right now is, is far trouncing the Democratic turnout. There's a percentage of the total vote that we're waiting to see come in. It'll be interesting to see what, what comes in Wayne County. I get it. But President Trump's numbers at the moment is actually more than all Democratic Party primary voters combined. So I would say that President Trump, when looking at the amount of people who are coming out to vote for him tonight, would be very encouraged by the amount of votes that he's getting compared to every other Democrat on the ballot combined. And they quickly (laughs) went, yeah, 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 thanks, Lee. And they moved along (laughs) because they didn't want to hear it. I mean— I, I, I think 13, 13, 14% of Democrat primary voters voted uncommitted that that's over 120,000 people that voted uncommitted, uh, in the Democrat primary, that's got to send a shudder of fear to the, the DNC, I would wager.
2: Yeah, it's it's uh, really not looking good when you look at proper polls. Uh, and I I, I want to thank you, Steve, for taking that bullet for us and sitting down in front of CNN. Uh, thank <laughs> goodness I easy. didn't have to. I'm still smiling because I didn't have to do that. I don't know how you're still smiling. But uh, I guess it's because, <laughs> you know, that was a pretty good clip right there. He did drop a bit of a statistical bomb, didn't he?
1: Yeah, he did. and he's, and, and you could see that they were just like, who invited Zeldin? You know, it's, kind of, <laughs> it's just kind of one of those things. And you're like, oh, boy, they hate him. They hate him. But whatever. say la vie. Hey, by the way, for a complete list of shows in our schedule offered on TNT, simply visit the website, tntradio.live. We serve up the latest live news and current affairs presented by a host of credible and expert commentators and hosts who can separate fact from fiction, truth from propaganda, keeping you in the loop. Always on TNT. Today's news talk. The facts, no spin or agenda. Not enough with the lies. We need the facts. This is today's news talk radio. TNT. All right, one of my favorite guests ever. Right now, Hesh, Just letting you know. I mean, I, absolutely. I, 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 Same. I mean, you know what I'm saying. Just yeah, absolutely, and it's been, and it's been far too long since we've spoken with her. I'm I'm building up the anticipation. Everybody's wondering who's who is it? Who is it? <laughs> let me just before we bring her on, let me just say this. This is I'm reading out of AP coming out of Nashville, Tennessee. Former President Donald Trump promised to use a second term in the White House to defend Christian values, and he even suggested uh, suggested that he'd shield the faith's central iconography, warning a convention of religious broadcasters uh, uh, on Thursday night that uh, the left wants to, quote, tear down crosses. Uh, Joining us to discuss all this, senior advisor of communications for the 45th president and perhaps the 47th president of the United States, host of WMAL's All-American Book Club. There she is. It's Eden Gordon-Hill. Eden, (laughs) there you are. You look wonderful. Welcome back to State of the Nation. How are you?
3: Uh you guys, it's great to be back. Brian, Steve, I have been traveling all over this great country, this great nation and just returned from National Religious Broadcasters Convention. You guys, they had such an amazing 4 days and so many people coming out. Almost almost 5,000 just right on the cusp of 5,000 in attendance and hearing President Donald Trump hoping for to be number 47 Uh, in this upcoming election and just having so many people coming together to talk about faith in the public square and knowing that we need faith. And so many people yearning, yearning to be able to have faith and to be able to talk about it and not be censored. It was so powerful, so powerful. People from all over the world coming together to celebrate faith, to celebrate our Judeo-Christian values and to celebrate having God back in our White House and not being told we are not allowed to celebrate Easter when we go to the White House. We have to we can't have the religious symbols. Come on. That's not what people want. I am all about making ice cream great again. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> the biden's cannot own ice cream i'm sorry you're right i i'm guilty of a lot of pejorative ice cream statements over the last three years here eden so <laughs> i i apologize to ice cream and ice cream lovers everywhere it's just you know how can you not how can you not you know uh we spoke with troy miller before the event yeah. uh, a few mm-hmm. weeks before the event we were very excited to see it was going down um, yeah. what else, what else did you take away from, uh, from the event there and, um, how were people taking Trump's comments?
3: Uh, you know, people really responded well, the line started very early on for knowing that Trump was going to be there. The line started even before four o'clock and the energy was so exciting, but it wasn't just about Trump. It was about the fact that So many different communicators who have felt censored, who have felt marginalized, coming together to feel supported by national religious broadcasters. They have such an amazing platform where they are internationally based and they're really focused on engaging, lifting the good, the true and the beautiful and making sure that people, if you want to have a podcast, if you want to talk about what you believe in, you can and to not allow the government to impede and and talking about what is so important one thing that i have noticed is i still see the church is asleep at the wheel in many senses and i'm not speaking on behalf of nrb i want to make that disclosure here i'm speaking on behalf of me the concerned citizen looking at the churches and saying you guys need to wake up here. We're in the election of our lives. And if we're going to save this country and bring it back to what George Washington originally had and in, inspired, you know, the faith and conviction of a nation built on God, not turning away from God, it, that is what we need to be doing now. We need to be sitting on our front porches. We need to be talking the public square. We need to be engaging. And that energy, that energy was an at NRB, that was so evident and people were there because they wanted to be able to speak on these issues that are affecting the kids, that are affecting the families, that are affecting our nation's capital. You know, I was in D.C. two weeks ago and then drove to Nashville, Tennessee. And what I see more than anything, people are still stuck in that COVID isolation mentality. And I think that's why the churches are still asleep. I think that's why people are afraid to talk and it's it it is the legacy media that is censoring what is happening across this nation and i am i ran into an army recruiter i'm going to just go for a second here on this i ran into an army recruiter in the mountains of tennessee and i said how are things going i said i feel like i'm at home my husband's army she said 100,000 down on recruitment. And she said, and this is unofficially, and she said, I don't think we will see a change for the next 10 years because COVID and the isolation and what has happened. So all of that to say, faith back in the public square, the churches need to rise up. And what we need to be seeing is people being not afraid to speak up. As I have been at All American Book Club, I have all of these new guests coming to the show every Sunday morning at 10 30. This Sunday, we have Great American Family. Great American family was born out of COVID. Bill Abbott basically was like, we need to be able to have face family values on the screen and not removed. These kids yeah. do not, these kids do not need to see all the different colorful flags. They need to see a cross. And that's yeah. exactly what President Trump is talking about.
1: And, you know, Eden, when you say that, I mean, you can just hear liberal. I mean, I close your ears and close your eyes and listen. Liberal heads exploding everywhere. How dare Trump say they're going to tear down crosses? Who does this guy think he is? Well, they had the exact same response when he said they're going to start tearing down statues of George Washington and Thomas mm-hmm. Jefferson and Abraham Lincoln. And guess what? They did. Um, so I I think Trump is absolutely right. And you're right. that The pathetic display of the Biden administration with regards to Easter on the White House lawn, that was, I mean, they even had one of his handlers dressed up as the Easter bunny (laughs) to go rescue him off the rope line because he was starting to, uh, anyway, that's a different story.
3: What, What really, what breaks my heart in so many different senses is that the kids that we are raising. They have to, they are exposed to what is happening at the White House. And it's people walking around naked saying that this yeah. is okay, man versus woman, woman versus man, but yet they don't get to see, and they these military kids can't talk about their faith, and they have to be censored that they can't talk about the cro- the cross and Jesus Christ. What is well, in, that?
1: Let, let me chime in here real quick by might, yeah. because I think it addresses your point. And this I found rather shocking. I'm reading from Newsweek here. Gen Z loves Donald Trump more than any other uh, demographic group in the country right now. Gen Z, that is the young people you're talking about. And Donald Trump has a higher approval rating among young adults than any other age demographic. According to a recent poll, it's a Harvard- a uh, Caps-Harris survey of more than 2,000 registered voters showed that 57% of Gen Zers support the job of Repu- the, the Republican as president, while 41% uh, say they disapprove. But when you look at their numbers against Biden, whoo, they do not like him. They don't like him at all. He can try and give away as many student loan bailouts as he wants. They're not buying it. So maybe the... uh Maybe the, uh, the 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 worm is turning here a little bit with this generation. Maybe they're starting to realize that we better we better stra- you know straighten the ship out here. What do you think?
3: Well, well, I absolutely think that. And here's here's a couple thoughts. First and foremost, Biden needs to be in a retirement community. That is flat out elder abuse. And obiden oh, Biden is what I call it. You you know, Obama and Kamala are over here doing this right. But at the end of the day, so we need to get him out of there, just like Mitch. Mitch is gone. He's not not going to be running. We need to be getting, and I'm not talking about age discrimination here, but when you have a president who shuffles and who doesn't even know the name of world leaders, we got a problem. Our national security, our national defense, we are on the wire here. I am surprised. Thanks be to God we haven't gotten hit yet. I'm surprised we haven't, to be honest with you. So- People are watching, people are listening. And you know what? Trump is out there at the very front. One thing I do have to say, though, is I'm going to turn it to Nikki Haley really quickly, not to give her soundbites, but she is embarrassing any other woman who wants to run for an elected office. Get her out of there. Get her out of there. Get her out of there. She is wasting my time and every other woman's time. And the thing is, if I want to run, people are going to look to the person who had a participation trophy. Let's get her (laughs) out of there because what we need is true leadership and what we need is you know what a trump sarah huckabee sanders ticket that's what we need
2: wow All right. i'm calling
3: oh. it i'm calling oh. it that's what i want that's my dream right. ticket because you know okay. what you can get in the face of world leaders and scare the Jesus out of them
2: I love that. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, we were talking about that potential just the other day. So, you know, you're not you're not alone in in that one. I mean, imagine a, a 2025 where uh, Donald Trump and and Sarah Huckabee Sanders are in the Oval Office. There's a majority of Republican senators and California has magically switched to a red government. I mean, i don't know after the failed red wave of 2022 it still feels a little bit uh, fan fictiony but when we look at all the facts that we're talking <laughs> about here you gotta wonder if it's not absolutely possible and we know it would be absolutely better um you know we're just about out of time here, but uh, I definitely want to give a shout out to EdenGordonMedia.com where you can keep up with Eden. And of course, Eden, you've as you mentioned, you know you've got um, the Great American Family, you've got the um, who do the the County Rescue, you've got um, you've got Bridget Cameron uh, Overlooked, and you've got a number of great things coming up. So give people a, a quick shout where they can find your work.
3: Every Sunday morning, if you decide not to go to church, join me at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time, WMAL.com, live streaming on the app, and we break it down. God, country, and family. That is what we were talking about this Sunday. County Rescue, Great American Family, and Books. And then also coming up, Bill Abbott, CEO of Great American Family, Faith Back into the Public Square. And then that Cameron last name, Kirk Cameron, Candace Cameron's sister, Bridget Cameron, Brand new book called Overlooked. You do not want to miss it. Next j- next month, we are jam-packed with phenomenal brand new guests at the All-American Book Club.
2: Wow, oh, exciting, wow. exciting. So the All-American Book Club, don't miss it. And we will be back after a brief message from the station here. Thank you, Eden Gordon-Hill. This is State of the Nation on today's News Talk, TNT.
0: TNT's James Freeman. Firstly, farming unions in Wales supported a vote to remain in the EU. And secondly, there is no evidence that farmers voted en masse for Brexit. There are no polls or other evidence to prove this. And thirdly, it is a very odd statement to make because what Drakeford is, well, at the face of it, what he's saying to farmers is that I now have the power to restrict your farms in Wales because you voted for Brexit. A very odd thing to say. James Freeman on today's News Talk TNT. In a democracy, the majority vote rules. But in most democracies, you can only vote for change every three or four years. To understand what people want, governments and political parties use focus groups. These focus groups can include as little as 20 people. Australia is a country of over 25 million people. Does making decisions based on 20 people sound fair to you? Have your say. Be heard in between elections. Download the For My Say app now. That is number four, my say. Unbiased information. Honest and forthright. News without the misinformation. It doesn't matter what side you're from. What matters is what you say. The truthfulness behind it. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
2: You know, uh, Steve Ruckus and I had a lot of fun clowning on the woke FAA a few weeks ago. I was joking about how I support the rights of paralyzed blind deaf dwarves to fly 737s. And I apologize. Maybe that's some gallows humor, of course, in reaction to the headlines and initial analyses we saw. um, But there are serious ramifications to discuss with this FAA policy. And we wanted to bring an expert to take a serious look at what this actually means, to have a woke FAA. So we've invited Dr. Mark Mozart, uh, who's a senior researcher at Able Americans to rejoin us here. And Able Americans is the National Center's project to support Americans living with intellectual and developmental and physical disabilities. Um, Dr. Mosert, welcome back to State of the Nation. What's what's the real inclusion problem with the FAA
4: as it leans into wokiness? Hi, great to be back. Thank you. Yeah, uh, wokeness unfortunately permeates every part of the federal government. And that includes the Federal Aviation Administration. And what they've come out with is a, they're feeling so much pressure to include people with disabilities from activist groups and so on. They've come out with this really wacky program that I think people need to know about. And essentially this program um, is basically uh, inviting, if you will, people with disabilities to apply for work in the FAA. It's called the FAA's National Outreach Program for Diversity and Inclusion-People with Disabilities. And what this program does is to say to people with disabilities, we want to hire you. We want to include you in the FAA. And get this. Here's the list of the people that they're appealing to. This is from the actual program. This is a quote. These are the people, these are the disabilities they're considering. Hearing impaired and totally deaf people, uh, vision and blind people, missing extremities, partial paralysis, complete paralysis, epilepsy, severe intellectual disability, psychiatric disability, and go figure dwarfism. Those categories of disability are what they're looking to hire. And this is, this is the even more frightening part, okay? They have said on this program that when you come in from one of these disability groups, we will engage in on-the-spot hiring, which will be non-competitive hiring. So basically, if you get a doctor or a medical professional to certify you that, that you have one of these disabilities, they will hire you on the spot and with no competition, Uh, for anybody else hiring for that position. Now, here's here's the fundamental problem we have to deal with. There are two different kinds of, two groups of disabilities. One are physical disabilities. The other are cognitive or mental disabilities and so you can see the point if someone comes in and is in a wheelchair right yeah their lower extremities are compromised but their intellectual their mental ability is just fine sure not a problem but what are you going to do with someone who has a severe intellectual disability people with severe intellectual disabilities can't work they struggle to make sense of the world around them they need incredible amounts of support and care what job in the faa are you going to give those people and what about people who have a psychiatric disability now you know what if you have a mild seasonal depression that's treated with uh, medication fine but what happens if a full-blown psychotic person walks in and applies for a non-competitive on-the-spot hiring and they're hearing voices and seeing things do we really want those kind of people there but this is what this program puts forward it's crazy
1: God, oh my I mean, it's you know what? you know what it is, doctor. it's it's just pandering for the sake of pandering, and it's so extreme. It would be as if someone to say, you have you have to have brain surgery, but don't worry, we have the greatest Dei staff of surgeons available. Well, we didn't say the greatest surgeons available, but believe me, it'll be a diverse mix in there, cutting into your uh, cerebellum. I just don't understand the, the, I, is this, do you think this is strictly for politics to, to say, look, we care more than the other side does? It just seems so absurd.
4: Yeah, I think that's true. I think they're feeling a lot of pressure from 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 activist groups. But here's the other problem that we have kind of socially with this. Years ago, disability was defined under what we call the medical model, right? You had x characteristics, therefore you had this disability, okay? Now, that has moved to what we call a social construction of disability. That is no more do we use those medical characteristics we say they are everyone has a some form of disability we're on a continuum right from kind of perfect to very imperfect we're all on the same continuum and if there's a problem with a disability in society it's because society has not been able to accommodate the person with the disability enough so to use a crazy example which might not be too crazy down the road if you have someone who's uh, visually impaired or blind And this person says, I want to be a pilot. Well, the obvious issue there is to be a pilot, you have to see. The social construct of disability would say, oh, no, 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 no. What we need to do is reconfigure the cockpit so that blind people can pilot planes. That is dangerous from the top to the bottom and inside out. Yeah, I mean
2: when I was a kid I wanted to fly in uh you know F14 or something like that and I was extremely nearsighted. I got told as a very young person, sorry, you're not going to be able to do that. You got nearsightedness, nope, you can't wear your uh you know, you can't wear your glasses at you know 3Gs, it's just not going to work out, kid. Um but now you know it's like you couldn't really find a better way to tank an industry if you tried. You know uh let's just populate it full of people that are unable to do the job and people that are um potentially very high risk i mean i'm not trying to paint with a broad brush here but the fact that the you know this fundamental issue here is the on the spot non-competitive hiring if all one needs is a doctor's note I mean, anybody can go to like any web doctor now and say, I feel this way. And because of this whole thing that you just laid out here with the, the medical model, everything is a social construct. So if you're just an online appointment for some, you know, some doctor who's willing to, you know, okay, yeah, here's here's the form note saying that, yes, you uh have xyz and then boom you're off to the races you got a brand new job at the faa you didn't have to probably didn't even have to shave to go (laughs) to that interview um we've got a headline we're going to take in a moment here but i'll take your your comments on this um after this brief headline with today's news talk tnt
4: news news there is
5: a difference what's on the schedule for today a little less yappity yap and a little more
0: news yay Now, TNT Radio News. For TNT, this is James O'Neill. Former President Donald Trump has secured a victory in Michigan's Republican primary,
6: further strengthening his position in the GOP presidential nomination race. Ministry of Justice statistics reveal that nearly three-quarters of transgender prisoners in Britain, totaling 181 out of 244 individuals, have been convicted of sexual
0: offenses, including rape and child sexual assaults globalist agendas, democratic rights at risk, corruption, propaganda. It never stops.
2: now mark you know when i think about the airline industry i think about pilots you know that's always been a a you know a profession that's pretty you know well revered uh here in the united states you know we got a lot of former naval pilots and military guys people with you know a lot of hours but it's more than just pilots that make our system work there's all kinds of people within it so you would think that there would be room for um you know putting people in proper positions but this whole thing that we're talking about with regards to you know no competition jobs based on a doctor's note basically what how does this reverberate through the rest of the you know uh flight community even even other companies that are highly involved in it what about you know boeing lockheed and these companies that put so much into this infrastructure
4: I'm glad you brought up Boeing, because in the same piece uh, that, that I wrote about the, what's going on uh, within the FAA, um, woke and DEI are, are everywhere, including in Boeing. Here's the uh, so, so on the one hand, we have the, the nonsensical possibility that we might have people in very sensitive and, and highly skilled jobs for which they're not qualified, uh, you know, running the FAA. On the other side of it is the airlines. I don't think too many people know this. Up until 2022, Boeing's upper executives had um, incentive metrics to do things right. And almost all those incentive metrics related to passenger and employee safety. They had to meet passenger and employee safety targets. That was their incentive to be paid more, to get bonuses and so on. In 2022, you're not gonna believe this guys. In 2022, Boeing changed the incentive focus. No longer passenger safety, employee safety, but guess what? Achieving targets based on DEI and climate change, no longer passenger safety, no longer employee safety in terms of top executive incentives. Now it was DEI and climate change. Now, I don't know what you're going to do in an airplane about climate change, but I can tell you with DEI, we all know what that means, right? We're going to admit people and start training people as pilots and have them be on airlines and they're going to be there in many instances because of their race rather than their expertise and that is dangerous for the flying public
1: yeah it really is and and as i as i had mentioned before mark it, it is so obviously pandering but beyond that i mean hell boeing is having doors fall off their their their, right. their jets at thirty five thousand feet they've got their uh They've got their flaps falling apart uh, as they're coming in for a landing. Had to turn a plane around. I, I just I, look. I understand that that these are people, these these people that are pushing this kind of nonsense, are doing it so they can pat themselves on the back and say, "Look at me, I'm so compassionate." But at some point, the American public is going to get wind of the fact that there might be a blind, deaf guy that's flying my plane and that's right. not going to go over so damn well. I mean, at what point are they at what point is Boeing going to say, "You know what? We cuz a growing number of companies are are starting to scrap this DEI stuff, including some of the companies that pushed for it hard like BlackRock. They're starting to say, "You know what? We're backing away from this." But Boeing is full going full tilt and the FAA with this new policy, they're just encouraging more of it. Seems the one industry that should probably really focused on safety is the one that you know, flies Americans all over the world, but maybe that's just me. Well, I think what we need to
4: do is go back to the whole idea of merit and skill. Uh, which is now sadly yeah. lacking and absent in many places. In order to be, uh, you know, look, if they're going to hire some of these people with severe disabilities to, um, I don't know, you know, take the mail around from one office to the other. I, I, maybe, okay? But when you're talking about people getting on planes, as you just said, and now you have the FAA with this this nonsense and you also have the, 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 the company, certainly Boeing, doing the DEI work stuff. This puts people, it's going to put people in danger. There's no question about that. We have to go back to the idea of merit and skill. Do you have the requisite skills? We're gonna set a really high bar for you. And we don't care if you're black, white, green or purple, you will meet that or you will not be part of what we want you to be. We'll train you, we'll give you the support, but you're either gonna make that standard or you're not. That's what we need to go back to. What we're doing now is the opposite. When some people can't meet the standards First of all, the, the allegation generally is it's racist and discriminatory. So then you have two choices. You be you're accused of being a racist or, or discriminating, or you lower the standard. And that's what's happening all over. And I'm afraid that's what's gonna happen in the FAA and at Boeing and other companies. They keep on lowering the standards so they're not accused of racism. That means they're letting people who do not have the requisite skills because they're not there on merit. And that's gonna put everyone in danger. There's no question about it in my mind.
2: It, it almost feels like this could be on purpose. Because in 2022, I was watching um, the Biden administration try to appoint one Phil Washington out of uh, former Denver, uh, then LA, I believe, as the FAA director. And there was, you know, they they had a congressional hearing about it or some kind of subcommittee hearing about it. Ted Cruz was uh, instrumental in Um, voicing some of the concerns that many independent journalists had brought forth about that guy. But the concerns were so long and um, serious. It was just like he, he had no experience in this whatsoever. And here's the Biden administration pushing him to be the director there. Um, luckily, you know, government actually worked for for a moment there and, and he was blocked from from the position. But, you know, this story makes me feel like uh, there's still some, you know, that maybe that didn't help very much. Uh, it would Probably be the same thing going on if he was in there.
4: What do you think? Yeah, and, and, and everything in, in the federal government is now completely woke. In, in in part of my work as a senior researcher with ABLE Americans, I read a lot of the Federal Register and I, and I do it so that you guys don't have to do it, okay? So you're welcome. But, <laughs> you know, waiting through hundreds of pages of the Federal Register, let me give you a simple woke example, right? In the Department of Health and Human Services, everywhere they talk about pregnant women, the term pregnant women no longer exists. Because now, of course, we have pregnant people. That is in every official United States federal document. Pregnant women no longer exist. It's pregnant people. The, now, now, okay doing that is maybe not as so dangerous as you know blind and flying a plane but it's the whole idea of a bureaucracy that is so inept that is so useless to begin with then they they, they're focused on this stuff instead of are people going to be safe on airplanes and what's going to happen eventually is there's going to be some god forbid but a cataclysmic event with an aircraft and we're going to go back and find i'm predicting this we're going to go back and find That people who dropped the ball were the people who didn't have the skill, who got there because of some affirmative action, some DEI work, and that might change the tide. I would hate to to get that far, clearly, but I think that's what's going to force a change versus, you know, me just blowing the whistle on this particular program.
1: Well, and you know, Mark, the thing is, I mean, if we really look at it from, uh, pardon the expression, from 35,000 feet, you can see that this is a, th- th- this particular mindset, and you kind of touched on this. It, it, it's pretty much government-wide. It, it helps explain the wide-open border. Uh, and listen, these people are just poor, and they come from a different. Oh, you just don't, you want the border closed because you don't like brown people? No, no, that's not it at all. But th- it doesn't matter what it is. This wokeness, this progressive Marxist mentality, has just swept through our government. And I guess, I, I guess it's just going to take a new round of elections to get rid of it. Uh, are we too far down the road? Or you think, that, is there any hope that we can excise this from agencies like the FAA? Well, I think
4: I, I'm hopeful that you know the pendulum might eventually start to swing back. But if, you know, getting the pendulum to swing back is a Herculean task, right? Because now it's everywhere. We all understand that um, if we if we uh, you know use the wrong pronoun, we can get in trouble. If we speak out our mind, you know, they'll shut down free speech. It is now so entrenched everywhere. I mean, this whole idea, and this may be for another show, but this is what's happening in medicine now. Okay, they in in medicine you, you don't have to, in many places as many medical schools, even very good ones, you don't have to take the MCAT, which is a basic entrance exam to get into medical school. They dropped that because many minorities were failing it. So ergo, the test is racist. Not, hey, we need to build up these people's skills so they could pass it. So now you have people coming in that basically should not be in medical school. Then what happens? Well, they're gonna run into tests, they're gonna run into exams, and they're, they're gonna probably fail. And then what's gonna happen is, geez, well, those must be racist too. So all along the line, there's this break from reality and what they're going to end up doing and are doing is graduate medical professionals, doctors, surgeons, as you mentioned, who really have very, very low skill sets. I don't want to go to a doctor like that. I don't want to go to a neurosurgeon like that. And more and more, we're going to see that division and what some people are going to start to say with, I think, you know, I could see the argument. You know, I'm not going to see see someone who I think might have gotten in there on a affirmative action DEI uh, entrance uh, to medical school. I don't want to do that because there's a good chance—not always, obviously—but there's a good chance that they might not have the skill set to help me out and fix what's wrong with me. I think that's a very dangerous idea.
2: Yeah, yeah, we we could probably subtitle this segment uh, when DEI turns into DIE. Uh, because exactly. <laughs> That's how serious this stuff uh, goes. You know, merit and skill are <laughs> important. They're not racist factors. They're one of the things that keep our society um, highly functioning. So, um, you know, I, I, I remember uh, we, we're just about out of time here, but, you know, you talked about the pendulum swinging back. I just have to say, I remember uh, in one of my science classes, in college, uh, we had a teacher who did the bowling ball trick. You know, they put the bowling ball on a string and they have a student sit at the end of the room and they wing the bowling ball back and they, you know, let it go and it just stops right at the person's nose. Well, um, I've seen people mistake that trick and put a little push on the bowling ball and it will break <laughs> your nose. So I think that's where we're at with the pendulum right now. So we got our eye on that yeah. pendulum. Uh, Dr. Moser at Americans on x.com and nationalcenter.org. We really appreciate you joining us for this crazy conversation on this crazy topic. And we'll love to have you back for an update again real soon. My pleasure. Good to see you guys. Thank you. Thanks for joining us here at State of the Nation. This is today's News Talk TNT.
0: Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malzberg.
4: If you tuned into one of the three major cable networks on Saturday night at 7 p.m. when the polls closed in South Carolina to see how long it would take for Donald Trump to be declared the winner, well, let's just say you
5: better have been on time. The polls have now closed
4: at 7 p.m.
5: We are waiting to see whether we will have a call in one direction or another, or a too early to call. That has been the case in a few of the contests we've had, and as you can see there, and I'm learning this as I see it on your screen myself, we do have a call. We have projected a winner at polls closing. That was MSNBC, CNN, was even faster in calling the race. Polling places are about to close in South Carolina. Five seconds left in the GOP presidential primary fight between Donald Trump and Nikki Haley. And right now, we can make a major projection. CNN projects that Donald Trump will win the South Carolina Republican primary, defeating former South Carolina governor Nikki Haley in her home state. And Fox News was just as quick.
4: It is 7 p.m. here on the East Coast and the polls are officially closed in the state of South Carolina. Good evening, I'm Brett Baer.
3: And good evening everybody, I'm Martha McCallum, live here at Fox News headquarters in New York for our special coverage of the South Carolina Republican primary. And the Fox News decision desk can now project that former President Donald Trump will win the state's GOP primary.
5: Yes, all in all, good night for Trump, very bad night for Nikki Haley in her own home state. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malzberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on TNT. When the world's endangered animals need help most, when their lives are at greatest risk, when they would otherwise be lost, the International Fund for Animal Welfare is there, taking action to rescue the animals we love, to protect them and their threatened natural habitats. But the danger to animals the world over is growing. And the need for your help has never been more urgent. On land, you'll help stop poachers from threatening and killing elephants and big cats for the illegal wildlife trade. In the oceans, you'll help rescue dolphins, whales, and seals from deadly hazards. And you'll help rescue, rehabilitate, and release vulnerable animals when disasters strike. Here at home and around the world, We can't do this work without you. See how you can help animals and people thrive together at joinifall.org.
0: The conversation continues with Brian McLean and Steve Hook at State of the Nation on today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
1: All right, welcome back to State of the Nation. Well, President Trump recently, well, he he got in a little bit of trouble last week uh, by using racially charged sentiments. Uh, that says that he has strengthened his appeal to black Americans by claiming that they relate to me because I've been indicted so much or something to that effect. Trump made the remarks at the black conservative federation gala in uh, Columbia, South Carolina this past week. President Joe Biden's reelection campaign co-chair Cedric Richmond came out and said, well, those comments are plainly racist, which is pretty rich coming from the Biden campaign. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, Joe Biden, of course, recently sat down and had dinner with the black family where he, uh, uh, ate fried chicken with them. And I remember a few years ago when he was speaking to a, a black, uh, group, a church going group. And he said, they're going to have y'all back in chains. And who can forget, uh, when he was on the breakfast club with Charlemagne, the God. And he said, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. So I. I don't need to get any lessons about racism from the Biden campaign. Now, despite the perceived backlash that Trump comments created, Black conservatives are still firmly supporting the former president. Black Americans, here's a quote, Black Americans are waking up to the reality that the Democratic Party has taken advantage of them and the media and the party are terrified. Our community supports the policies of President Donald J. Trump and knows full well that life was better four years ago under his administration. No amount of media deception or liberal race baiting will sway the minds of black voters Uh, Who will cast their votes this November for safer streets, a better financial well being, a secure border, and a complete rejection of Joe Biden's disastrous tenure? That was Deontay Johnson. She's the president of the Black Conservative Federation. Joining us to discuss all of this now, and we're so glad to have him back, Jason Greer. Uh, Jason, of course, is a labor relations and diversity management consulting expert, and we welcome him back to the show. Jason, hello, sir. It's wonderful to see you again. Um, Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you. Um, It looks to me like the Democratic Party is getting very, very nervous because a lot of what they thought were locked in uh, blocks, whether it's the uh, black Americans, whether it's Hispanic Americans, even whether it's younger Americans, they're starting to shed those uh, blocks. It, they're breaking them up. People are starting to turn towards Donald Trump. Uh, what do you think about Trump's comments? And where is the black community uh, regarding how they're going to vote going forward? You suppose?
6: Yeah, fantastic question. Now I'm going to I'm going to to answer this from the perspective of the diversity lens because I talk to employees all the time and I'm in and out of communities. And here's what's really happening. For the Trump campaign to believe that Black Americans are overwhelmingly going to vote for him, that's not happening. What the Biden campaign is really scared of and what they should be scared of, there is some truth when the rhetoric comes back to Black Americans, African Americans, essentially saying that they're tired of being taken for granted from the Democratic Party. Charlemagne the God because you brought him up he made a fantastic statement a couple weeks ago maybe a month ago where he said the biggest threat to the Democratic Party is not Donald J Trump the biggest threat is the couch because there is such a level of apathy directed toward Joe Biden right now you know Biden in 2020 made these statements and what he said to Charlemagne the God if you don't vote if you don't vote Democratic then you ain't black the statements that he's made to various African-American groups, biden has really championed the fact that he was seated at the right hand of president obama and he thinks in some form or fashion that gives some street cred with african americans what people are essentially saying is we're tired of being taken for granted by the democratic party and at the same time will somebody start talking to us about our needs that's what people are looking for
2: you know um i'm glad you said that because i kind of felt that way after watching killer mike speak with bill maher it was like you know, yes. uh, I don't know if you recall, it was it was really good, you know, and um, I, I remember when Killer Mike was big on um, Bernie Sanders and, you know, he still appreciates the sort of that that policy um, that Bernie Sanders represents. And and Bill Maher uh, gave him a hard time. Are you going to vote for Joe Biden? You know, I'm paraphrasing and and Killer Mike was like, you know, he, he he basically refused to back Trump or Biden and said, you know what, I'm I'm looking for a candidate who's going to do something that. You know would would affect me the way that i want i want to see our country go and even bill yes. maher it was just like uh, it was i didn't really like bill maher's uh pushiness on that and i thought it was interesting um and probably showed a little bit of uh lessons learned on the on the behalf of killer mike and then he was oddly arrested after that i don't know if that's related or what but i mean it, yeah, that was another yeah right I for the of. grammys yeah yeah
6: yeah sorry for interrupt you uh what what is happening is when you look at the way the democratic party was able to court the african-american vote so much of it was the republicans were not talking in terms of uh protecting the civil rights of african-americans in a way that the democrats learned to talk right and when i say learn to talk let's not pretend from a historical standpoint that democrats have always been in our quarter because they have but what has happened is that you have this new age of voters. And when I say this new age of voters, I'm talking people such as myself, who it's no longer good enough if you were going to continue to, you know, talk about your love for Martin Luther King. It's no longer good enough if you're going to talk about what you're going to do for the black community as opposed to actually doing it. And this is for President Biden as well as President, you know, former President Trump. Stop talking to black people as though we're some monolith and start talking to us in really in the way that you talk to white people. We care about inflation. We care about making sure our mortgage is paid for. We care about making sure that our children have a great life. We care about things that are very American. We might look different, but we have the same interests. So from the, uh, you know, it's interesting because one of the things that I continue to hear from so many African-Americans is when um, former President Trump unveiled his tennis shoes. And there was this belief, and I think Fox News talked about this, there's this belief that because he has these new kicks out, these gold colored kicks, that all of a sudden African-Americans are just going to flock to that. That doesn't work. Talk to us about the things that we care about and see where our votes go, because ultimately people are going to vote for the candidate and for the party that espouses the things that we truly need for our communities.
1: Yeah. Jason, I remember back in 2016, uh, the, the 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 way Trump reached out to the black community was kind of the way he reaches out to everybody, really, just kind of uh, very matter of fact. But the one line that, that that he said was, what have you got to lose? Give it a I go. And then, of course, him and Tim Scott put together the opportunity zones. That was good. Uh, and they mm-hmm. did try and do some genuine outreach, and I think that in large part that it succeeded. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. They're not a, the black community, African American uh, community is not monolithic, uh, yes. as much as as much as Biden and the Democrats would like them to be. But it's certainly true, and this is anecdotal. I'll grant you that. But you go look on some TikTok videos, and it's mostly young black males that are saying this guy is an old white man, doesn't give a damn about me or my community. You couple that with the Democrats push for defunding the police a couple of years ago after the, the George Floyd incident that did nothing, but uh, really in a negative way impacted urban centers. Um, it's it, it does look like people are starting to kind of say, wait a minute, maybe Trump was right. Maybe, maybe we ought to see what he can give us. Uh, but the question is, are, are enough of them going to turn out to vote for him? I guess that's the big one, huh?
6: Right. I think that's one of those things that, in any, I don't care if you're running for president or if you're running for, you know, student council, you want to appeal to the people who are actually going to show up to vote, right? So even though you see a lot of these videos that are out there, and, and you're completely right, because in many ways, there are people, especially content creators of color, who have sort of latched onto this idea of President Trump. Are they going to show up to vote? That's one thing. I think the other side to it really comes down to the fact that when you talk about President Trump or former President Trump in 2016, and I'll never forget when he said, you know, to African Americans, vote for Trump, what do you have to lose? or something to that effect. That sounds good in theory, but if Former President Trump is going to really seek to court the African American vote. He needs to be careful about what he says because, you know, you brought up how uh President Biden sat down with the African American family and had fried chicken. The optics weren't good, right? They were very stereotypical in terms of the meal. But on the other side of that, when you have uh former President Trump who's talking about, you know, the the lights went down or whatever it was he said before some event, but he goes, "I can see the black ones." Right? <laughs> It's things like that that what I continue to hear from people is if I'm even considering giving this guy a shot, he says something that just completely insults me. And it gets right back down to the fact that people, when they vote, and I'm speaking to the African-American community, when we show up to vote, we want to make sure that the person that we're going to vote for has our best interests. The Democratic Party happens to talk a really good game. But as we've seen in what happened in South Carolina, you had a number of African-Americans who showed up for uh, President Trump or President Biden in 2020, who are now saying four years later, we are worse off than what we were back in 2020. You said what you're going to do for us, but you didn't show up and do it. So it just really comes down to the fact that people want a presidential candidate and a president that is going to walk the
2: walk. Yeah. And- and President Biden, many people might uh, perceive as sort of an extension of President Obama. Uh, You know, there's a a range of range of opinions about that, you know, all the way down to he's a puppet of Obama, this and that. But we'll set that aside, Hmm. you know, as it as it pertains to to all of us. it's, It's like what did we get out of these plans i mean uh, is that part of the the big problem here it's kind of like um joe biden is is shouldering the weight of the promises of barack obama as well yet now that he's in office after the trump experience uh, you know everything seems to be unraveling a little bit race relations have been stoked into worse situations over the last few years in many cases the op- the borders completely open Many people in the inner cities are concerned about uh, rises in crime and all this in places that were already strained that should have received a lot of these resources uh, that we're talking about. So, you know, with regards to right. sort of the money talking and this this administration being ex- an extension of Obama, is that a big factor in our last couple minutes here? Absolutely.
6: You know, you talk about race relations being worse under Joe Biden. I would challenge that because we actually saw, and this is statistical facts, we actually saw a rise in white militia groups and white supremacist groups um, come really start to rise under President Trump's reign. And President Biden has unfortunately, you know, that has happened to him, but it didn't happen under the course of what we saw under Trump. I think what is really coming down to the fact is that President Biden ran on, I'm gonna be better than Trump. And four years later, people, we have record economic growth. The stock market is going through the roof. We have all these things that are happening that are on the positives. I think that President Biden has just done a very poor job of actually being out there and saying, look what I've done. On the, you contrast that with uh, Donald Trump. Look, if there is a better salesman on the face of this planet, I don't know who is than Donald Trump, because he will say something. He will continue to say it. And people just, I'll give you an example. The number of people and, you know, uh, conservatives that I know who will say Donald Trump was incredible for African-Americans because he provided X, Y, Z funding to historically black colleges and universities. Then when I would ask them exactly how much money did he contribute, they couldn't tell me but they heard his soundbite Donald Trump is great at the soundbite whereas Joe Biden has been very good from many perspectives in terms of the governing but who knows what he's doing
1: yeah well one thing he's not doing is he's not allowing the illegals to flood the border and take up all the money it's going to be a very interesting campaign Jason Greer uh, as as always thank you for joining us You can find uh, Jason at LaborDiversity on X.com, at LaborDiversity. Also, uh, AskJasonGreer.com. Thank you so much for joining us, Jason. We look forward to having you back next time on State of the Nation. Thanks for watching State of the Nation with Hesher and I. You got it. Take care, Jason. The Misty Winston Show is coming up next. We'll see you tomorrow on State of the Nation on today's News Talk TNT.